What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. That is right. You're listening to the Wells Cast. The coronavirus shutdown quarantine. Not sure if the world is going to end pretty soon. Edition of the Wells Cast. At this point, I don't even know what to say. I just hope that everyone is safe out there. Everyone is healthy and everyone just stays the f*** away from everybody else. Don't be that guy that gets like 65 people sick because you wanted to go to the beach and hang out with your friends. All right. Don't be the guy that gets Nana sick and puts her in a hospital and then puts a bunch of pressure on the hospital and all the respirators and stuff because you wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. I don't even know if Chuck E. Cheese is open, but if it is, that's got to be ground zero for the corona. All right. Just stay at home and listen to podcasts, specifically this one. If you're like, Wells, I've already listened to this one, then go back to older episodes and learn you a thing or two. Because we got some good episodes. Today's episode is bonkers, by the way. Very excited to have on the podcast the man, the myth, the legend, a founding member of a little band you might might have heard of called NSYNC. That's how it's pronounced. Or N-S-Y-N-C. I don't know. That's right. From Laurel, Mississippi, coming in at 175 pounds, dripping wet. He's beautiful. You know him. Lance Bass is going to be on the show, dude. Lance is a guy that I've known, actually known for a couple years now. One of the nicest dudes in all the entertainment industry. Super sweet. I mean, obviously, you know him from all the hits that he and JT and JC and Chris and Joey ripped out back in the late 90s, 2000s. Then, of course, you know him as a guy who came up third in Dancing with the Stars, season seven. 
been in movies like Longshot, Zoolander, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and so many more. He's got a new project out called Streetlight Harmonies that I'm very excited to talk to him about. And of course, he has his daily podcast, The Daily Popcast with Lance Bass, a show that I have been on also in sync, celebrating their 20th anniversary of No Strings Attached, which is crazy. He also has, I don't know, like a Prosecco trailer company, and he's got drink mixers. Like, literally, this guy's doing everything, all right? I don't even know if there's enough time in the quarantine to get through his whole story. But coming up in just a couple of minutes, yes, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, Lance Bass will be on the Wells cast. Kind of rhymes. Love it. Stick around. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Nick's anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nick's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to Nick's leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Well, Lance, how are you, my man? <laughs> how are ya? There's that beautiful face. Howdy. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on my show. Well, of course. It's been a, and it's great to have a podcast during this time because I think this is what we've been like preparing for our whole lives right now. Yeah, no, everyone has nothing to do but listen to like all our, all of our back catalogs of podcasts. Exactly. And now everyone has a podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, now, now, everyone, now everyone's doing like daily Instagram, um, like lives with people, which is smart. Yes. Miley Cyrus is doing it. And yeah. Chris Harris, are you doing one yet? No, I have not. What I'm trying to figure out is a way to do Instagram lives uh, that you can do game night because I want to be able to play on my Apple, t- you know, the Jackbox TV games. Yes, of course. Okay. Quiplash, all that. I would love to figure out how to play that with my fans on Instagram. Yeah. So 
I can't figure that out. I know you'd have to film the the screen so they could see it, but then how would they play with you and then also be able to see the screen? It's very difficult. Okay, so here's what I would suggest doing because I've yeah. thought about this a lot. I would go live on your phone mm -hmm. and have that phone be pointed at the screen. And right. then if you could have your husband join you in the the app, so then that screen could be looking at both of you guys. Okay. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So then everyone could see what the question was for, because I love Quiplash too. Then everyone could see what the question is. They could see you guys like joking around about it. And then you have that code and everyone goes on their phone. Oh, but they, if they're using their phone, are they able to watch? I don't know. Exactly. So you, everyone would have to have two phones yes. in order to do that, you know, which some people would, but I think it'd be so much fun because yeah, only eight people could get in the room and play with you, but everyone else can play in the audience. And I think that would be so much fun. Surely this app exists. And if not, do, right? If, uh. it, if it doesn't, you're a savvy businessman. <laughs> I think that this is your calling. It might be. I think I'm going to have plenty of time to figure this out. So I'm going to call Jackbox TV and, yeah. and make this happen. Speaking of being a savvy businessman, I was doing the intro before I called you up and I was looking at like, what don't you do? Because you've got you've got your cocktail thing going on. Right. Because mm -hmm. I yeah. remember us talking about that when I was on your show. And it's like a, a mixer that you buy. Yeah, it's called uh, Just Add X. It's a, a non-alcoholic mixer. Yeah. It's a perfect thing to own right now during the quarantine, which you cannot leave your house. It is insane, the timing on this, because we're, we're launching May 4th. Yeah. And of course, that's going to be probably the peak of everything <laughs> going on right now. Yeah. It's so funny because all our, the whole reason we came up with Just Add X is because we started seeing the trend of people not really wanting to go out as much. And when they drink, they like to drink less alcohol and they would rather fix drinks at home for their friends. So that's why we created this. And now here we are where we're stuck at home wanting to make you know drinks for our friends. So yeah, we're, we're kind of excited. We're, we're there at the right time. I know we were joking about it when I was on your show that I was going to bring a bunch of this stuff to paradise. Uh -huh. And I mean, fingers crossed, paradise happens. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. When do you, when would y'all start if it did June? Yeah. June is when it films. But, mm. the, but the thing about it is, is that every show is contingent upon the last, right? So like you need to have the bachelor because you need to have all the reject women to find the one woman who's going to be the bachelorette. And then you need to have the bachelorette to have all the reject guys to then fill the pool of girls and reject guys in Mexico. So you can't like just not do one to then do the other. So True. if so fact, so this podcast needs to make me a lot of money. Cause <laughs> I, know. I think we're all going to be relying on podcasts for a little while. Cause I don't know. I don't see bachelor in paradise happening this summer. I don't yeah. see big brother happening this no. summer. There's, I think everything's going to be shut down for a long time. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, you have your daily podcast with Lance Bass. Are you still doing that daily during this shutdown? Oh, yes. And it's, it's, it's ramped up a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, we try to do five a week. Um, now we're, we're about six now uh, because of what is going on. And, you know, this last week I, I did a whole sync week, which was so crazy and fun. But I got to interview the guys for all of them over 90 minutes, which was <laughs> was really nice to hear interviews that aren't cut out, you know, and you get like the three minutes to tell what you want to say. But uh, this, you got to sit in for 90 minutes and, and hear exactly what these guys went through. Yeah. So I saw it was the 20th anniversary of No Strings Attached. Is that why you did the InSync week? 
Yeah, you know, I wanted to do something special for the anniversary. Um, you know, we had big grand ideas, but of course, because of this virus, we <laughs> we weren't able to do anything. Um, so I was like, well, the safest thing to do is use my podcast where you can't catch anything and uh, and get the stories out. So it was it was you know good timing, I guess, for that too. Hey, what didn't No Strings Attached win? What, what did? Yeah, what didn't uh, you guys win? A Grammy. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Are you kidding me? That's I'm still very salty with uh, the Grammy board because, you know, back then the Grammys did not really care for the kids, the youngins in there. You know, they were still an old like, no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got nominated, I think, for like six Grammys this year that No Strings Attached came out. And we're like, well, maybe this is our year. Like they got to give us one. Right. It's it broke the record for biggest album, you know, ever most popular album. And our album was up for, you know, most popular record. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, well, may, you know, this makes sense. They might give it to us on this one. And they gave it to Steely Dan, the most popular <laughs> album. The most popular album of 2000 was Steely Dan. Yeah. You know, the sad thing about this is that everyone that listens to my podcast and probably everyone that listens to your podcast thinks that Steely Dan is a guy. You know? <laughs> so true. So true. So true. No, and I love Steely Dan. But the Grammys really hosed us on that one. So, yeah. yes, I did not get my Grammy because of Steely Dan. Thank you. Oh, man. I'm sorry about that. That sucks. <laughs> I wanted to know about this new show that you're that you're a part of. Which one? Oh, God. You're that guy. You've got so know, many like, freaking irons in the fire. Out. Tell me about Streetlight Harmonies. Oh, Streetlight Harmonies. Yeah. Um, it's so strange because we filmed this over two years ago. It's It's a documentary. And... You know, I love docs. Like, I'm a doc filmmaker. It's it's my life. Uh, but this one was very special. It came to me, you know, from some friends of mine that were producing this that worked with us with NSYNC. Um, and it's called Streetlight Harmonies. And it takes a look at the whole doo-wop era, uh, era of music history. And that's what really influenced all the music you hear today, especially groups like NSYNC and Backstreet uh, and Boys to Men. I mean, it was those those groups from that era that really inspired hip hop and pop. I mean, it's every genre um, and especially navigating through the civil rights movement also, you know, which, you know, this music really helped. Yeah, I was watching the you guys sent over the trailer for it. Mm -hmm. And there's this there's this scene where this woman's talking about all these different kind of like. Um, like streetlight bands i guess and she she was like every corner you'd go on there would be like four or five dudes in harmony singing and i just thought to myself how dope would that have been to be able to walk around back then and be like wow this band's pretty great they're just hanging out here on the street corner you know yeah, yeah. And that's how boy bands were created yeah <laughs> I just, yeah. i love the idea of like walking around like sunny england town and being like is that One Direction hanging around that <laughs> burning <laughs> trash can? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love, I mean, those, I, you know, that's what inspired me, you know, so much. I mean, I love the Drifters. I love, you know, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, the Platters, uh, you know, Little Anthony and the Imperials. I mean, all those incredible, you know, vocal harmony groups, uh, you know, back then. It's it's what makes me love music. I just love harmonies. So is, that's not out yet, though. Uh, it comes out March thirty first. Okay, perfect for when everyone is stuck on their couch. 
You know, this is a documentary world right now. Yeah. We're all just, you know, loving. Like, have you seen uh, 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 Tiger King yet? No, because that's on, like, we're doing that later today. It is. I, I, I'm on the last episode now, but I started it yesterday. Yeah. I've watched almost seven episodes in 24 hours. <laughs> it is insane. I love documentaries like that. I love any documentary that starts one way and mm-hmm. then just goes into just some crazy area. Okay. Um, Going back to your podcast, I mean, you're doing the, the you know the week of in sync. You had every member on the show, is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. Who was your favorite interview of the week? It was weird because they were all so different. Um, and you know, when I had planned this, we didn't know that we would be on lockdown, so it was all going to be in person. You know, some of the guys were flying to California to like, sit down in front of me, uh, and that because you know, in person is just it's just a better interview. Um, and then, of course, things went down. Everyone had to, you know, separate, and we couldn't be around each other. So things were changing so much throughout the week. I I didn't even know if some of the interviews were going to be made. I didn't do Justin until about sixteen hours before it aired on the last day that we could have done this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was uh, it was pretty stressful last week for sure. But we got them all done. But each interview, because of that, and they were all spaced out, they all sounded so different. But I would say my favorite was Chris Kirkpatrick. Uh, because it was the first interview I've ever seen of him that uh, he spent 90 minutes being, you know, he's always kind of crazy and, you know, he's just a comedy, you know, guy, uh, never takes anything too seriously. But he had a real serious conversation and you really got to see a, a side of Chris that people have not seen in the past. And it was nice to hear, you know, Justin talk for two hours about sync, which is a subject he really doesn't talk about hardly at all. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that, you know, he's, he'd never said before. Speaking of sync, I want to kind of get to the meat of the show, which is, I don't know if anyone told you, but this show is, is an origin story show. And I like to find out how people became famous and then effectively use that as the blueprint for other people out there that want to, I don't know, just be successful in, the, in whatever they're going to do. So I want to take a quick break and we come back. I want to find out where you came from and then how you got to where you are now, okay? All right. All right, stick around. You are listening to the Wellscast. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. 
But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, back in the Wells cast, I have Lance Bass on the show who's literally got so much stuff going on. New documentary coming out very, very soon called Streetlight Harmonies. Of course, he is the host of the Daily Popcast, which is a show everyone should listen to every single day. He was also, uh, I don't know, in a band you, you might have heard of before called uh, In Sync, and you were third on Dancing with the Stars. I'm not even going to bring that up because that's just. I don't yeah, know. I usually say people have made it to the finals. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Stars, but yeah, third is my number. <laughs> hey, don't worry, I was eighth on the Bachelorette, so uh, it could be worse. <laughs> Yeah, but who's laughing now? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. We have like a kind of a weird connection. I grew up in California, but I went to school in Mississippi, and you were born in Laurel, Mississippi, a place where I have a lot of like friends and like old fraternity brothers that were from Laurel. I want to yeah. hear about where you came from and how the hell you got to where you are right now, Lance Bass. So tell us about growing up in Laurel, Mississippi. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I was born in Laurel, Mississippi. Um, but actually grew up about five minutes next door because we didn't have a hospital in our town. So born in Laurel, but raised in Ellisville, okay. <laughs> which is like five minutes next door. And, you know, it was a very small town. You know, we had about 2,000 people in our town. We lived in the country. Very simple, simple life. But it wasn't until I moved to Clinton, Mississippi, which was about two hours north uh, in central Mississippi, where that, uh, that town was all about football and show choir. Okay. Who knew? The high school had the number one show choir in the world. And so this town was just all about sports and music. I mean, that's just what it all was. So either I was going to be a football player or I was going to get into music. And I definitely went into music because I was about 5'5 five, five my whole life until my senior year. Started singing with my best friends that got me into it. Oddly enough, I didn't think I would do it professionally. Like I was just, you know, I liked singing in chorus and doing the show choir and having fun with my friends on the weekend, creating groups and that type of stuff. But I never thought that it would ever be a profession of mine until the day Justin Timberlake called and we shared a vocal coach. And so the vocal coach recommended me to go down to Orlando to meet the guys and be their bass singer. And it was all over after that first time singing with them. Okay, rewind though. I mean, cool. <laughs> Justin Timberlake called you up. <laughs> you're in Mississippi. You're doing show choir. You just finished working this documentary called Streetlight Harmonies. Were you like in acapella groups like back then? Like were like a bunch of you guys hanging around singing doo-wop songs? Yes. Uh, when I was probably 13, 13 or 14, I put my first group together. Um, <laughs> we were an acapella group that would only do doo-wop type songs and do these medleys from the 50s and 60s. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll show you tape. I'll show you tape. We would wear these checkered, black and white checkered vests, yep. you know, 
and you know we would we would do our acapella and we do our little dance moves. Um, and there were seven of us, so it was like way before K-pop came around. There were seven of us. Uh, yeah, and our name yeah was Seven Card Stud. Oh yes, yeah. Wait, uh-huh. who came up with that? I feel like that was like someone's drunk dad who was like, "This would be a great name." No, nah, it would be me. <laughs> yeah. I definitely came up with that. I definitely came up with that name. <laughs> that is, and good. I probably was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you're you're forming these these acapella bands. Um, mm-hmm. Are you an only child? Like, where are you? What's your what's the family dynamic like? Yeah, I have one sister. She's three years older than me. Okay, uh, my family's very tight. You know, even even my you know grandparents. Everyone, we all lived in Laurel and Ellsville. No one really kind of escaped that little ten mile radius. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my family still lives there uh, in Laurel and Ellsville, um, except my parents. They moved up to central Mississippi, um, where we ended up and they still live there now cause it's closer to the airport. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it was just a nice, simple, simple life. We didn't really, the only music we really did was, you know, go to church and singing in church choirs. Uh, so that was my, my adolescence was really just kind of growing up singing in church. What did your parents think of the path you chose, which was not football, but to performing arts and singing and mm-hmm. stuff? Oh, they loved that I went to performing arts instead of sports. Really? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because my mom, she she just loves music. She's a great singer herself. Her brother, my uncle, great guitarist and, and musician. So, you know, our family, as much as we love watching sports, I mean, we're huge, huge SEC fans. None of us really played it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my my dad was a, you know, he, he liked to run track and he was a pole vaulter and all that. But no one else in my family really cared about sport playing sports uh but we were way more into entertainment yeah was your sister also singing with you and and doing all this stuff oh oh no my sister did not know i mean the whole reason i i started singing in the first place was because of my sister i remember when we were uh it was in laurel mississippi and she was in that summer there was some kind of summer program at the church where they would put on these musicals or whatever and I was so upset that my parents didn't let me do it. I'm like, I want to be in this. Like, no, you're not doing it. I'm like, okay. Um, and so watching her perform on stage at such a young age, I'm like, well, I I want to do that. I feel like this is, I would love this. Yeah. Um, so then after telling my parents, after they saw how upset I was that <laughs> at that show. I was like, I there was people my age in this. I could have done this. Um, then they saw that my interest was, you know, in music. And so that's when there, it was the, their first inkling that, okay, well, we need to, we need to really focus on this for him. Okay. So they help you focus on it by, I guess, getting you a vocal coach. No, it was weird. I, I never, I never really had a vocal coach, which was weird. So the vocal coach that introduced me to Justin, yeah. uh, when I had that group seven card stud, Wait, okay, hold on. So, that, by the way, is there music like on iTunes or Spotify that I can find seven card stud? You know what? I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah. I'll have to ask my friend Darren. He has all the tapes. So okay. I'll get you some. Trust yeah. me, you're going to see this. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see this. Uh, so yeah, so when I moved up to central Mississippi, it was, uh, uh, there was a, a thing at the Agriculture Museum. <laughs> so I worked at the Agriculture Museum um, because they had this group called the Mississippi Showstoppers. Yeah. And it was basically all these kids from age six to 18 
Um, and they all audition and they come up with this troupe that goes around the country singing Mississippi songs to promote the state. Okay. <laughs> it's as bad as you see. Uh, but through that, it was how I created Seven Card Stud because all the seven members were in this Mississippi Showstoppers. And our vocal coach for Mississippi Showstoppers was Bob Westbrook from Memphis, Tennessee. And that's who was Justin's vocal coach. So that's how I got to know Justin through him helping us with Seven Card Stud. Okay, so how old are you in the height, the fever pitch that is Seven Card Stud? Oh, I was 14. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. at some point you get a call from Justin Timberlake. How old are you at that moment? I was 16. Okay, so a couple years into Seven Card Stud, you get this call. Do you yeah. know, are you familiar with his work in like the Mickey Mouse Club? Um, I wasn't, I was, I was familiar with the Mickey Mouse Club cause I watched it when I was young. Um, you know, when like fifth and sixth grade, I loved Mickey Mouse Club and it was like the original, you know, the first season of it. And then I stopped watching it when I got in, you know, junior high or whatever. Uh, and that's when JC Shazay joined right back. So I remember, I remember watching JC's first season. So I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And so when Justin was explaining, you know, oh, me and JC, you know, on the Mickey Mouse Club. I knew it was something special because I, I knew MMC was such a, a huge show and I knew that their fan base must be insane. Okay, so he calls you and says, hey, my vocal coach suggested to hit you up. What do you say in that moment? Well, I didn't get to say anything because my mom was the one talking <laughs> on the phone. So they called, uh, it was Lou Perlman and Justin and his mom uh, they called and, you know, I was getting ready for the homecoming parade, which I was in charge of. Um, uh, so I was, you know, I was in charge of our float. That's all I really cared about, you know, and then the, the dance was the next day and, you know, in high school, that's, that's your life, you know, yeah. high school dances and, and homecoming parades. Uh, so I remember coming back from, you know, uh, uh, from some meeting we had about the, uh, the dance and, my mom was talking to someone and I was like, who's that? She's like, oh, no, no one really. She didn't even tell me they called. Then the next day they call back and they're like, no, no, no. Like, this is like a serious thing. Like, you need to like at least think about this. And I happen to be there. And I was talking to my sister. I'm like, who is she talking to? She's like, I don't know. Some some woman, her, her son is Justin Timberlake. He's only making mouse club. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. Like, that sounds legit. And so she told me about it and I was like, well, we have to try this out. So she was like, okay. So we all, you know, got on a flight the next day and flew down to Orlando. And, uh, you know, she didn't think that I would ever make the band <laughs> at all. So, uh, but yeah, she knew once she heard us sing, it was all over. So it was a tryout, like an audition thing for, mm-hmm. for the band. Yeah, um, I guess it was weird. I mean, there was no other people auditioning at yeah. this point, but I know they had gone through a lot of members, you know, at, at any group at the beginning, they go through so many iterations of it before they figure out what it is. There was a guy named Jason that was the bass singer um, and they were already, you know, put the band together and it was Joey's, one of Joey's best friends. Um, and then Jason last minute decided he didn't want to do this because he didn't like the market they were going for that. He didn't want teens, you know, for his, his fans. So he left the group and then that's when they, you know, they wanted to find a bass singer. So that's when Justin called everyone. I was like, okay, I need a bass singer. And that's when they suggested I come down and yeah, just met with the guys. We sang the star single banner and yeah, we never looked back. Jesus Christ. What's Jason doing now? 
<laughs> delivering pizzas. Is, that, is he really? Yeah. Well, I mean, he was. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if he's there now, but yeah. Oh, yeah, man. that was his thing. But he, I guess, I mean, Joey still talks to him, and I think he's like, eh, you know, it is what it was. <laughs> yeah, I know, but f***ing in sync, dude. Uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> this is crazy. You fly down the next day to Orlando. You meet all these guys. Are you starstruck? Are you nervous? Or are you like, dude, I got to deal with the float and prom in a week. So, like, yeah. let's get this thing going. Yeah, no, I was definitely still more into uh, what I was having in high school <laughs> because, you know, I we didn't know how big this was going to get. I mean, I really thought that we were just going to be a local acapella group that got hired by Disney World and we would just be able to sing at Disney World because Chris was doing that at Universal Studios. He was in the high tones there. It was this acapella group that would kind of walk around the park singing, you know, doo-wops, kind of like streetlight harmonies. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, wow, maybe maybe we can be that group for Disney. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll be like that, that acapella group. Uh, <laughs> but then it just kind of, I don't know, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It didn't stop. What was the first moment that you realized that NSYNC was more than like the second iteration of Seven Card Stud? Yeah, it was so strange because a lot of people don't know, you know, our record. I mean, we, we spent a year trying to get a record deal our first year and no one would sign us. Really? Just, oh, no one. It was it was hard. And and in good reason, because if you saw our demo, it wasn't it wasn't that incredible. Uh, especially for 1995, 1996, it was like, I don't think America's ready for this right now. So no one would sign us. And then finally, uh, a German label, BMG, Areola and Munich, Germany, uh, wanted to sign us. And so we flew over to Germany and lived there for a couple of years and, you know, and launched all of our stuff there first. Um, and it blew up overnight. It was just, I mean, we went from one week, no one knew who we were. And the next week we were on the cover of every magazine you know, in Europe. Um, so that was a, that was a strange situation because yeah, you felt like it was like the Beatles. Like, yeah. I mean, you have thousands of fans chasing you down the street. Like you, it was the most insane thing I'd ever experienced. And then you'd go back home to Mississippi and your friends are like, yeah, sure. Sure. That happens. Like they don't believe you. <laughs> You're just like, I swear we're popular over there. Yeah. Like, uh-huh, sure. So you'd come back home and get, you know, crazy reality slapped into you. Be like, yeah, you're nothing. So it was weird, you know, your first two years of your career to feel feel like it's it's popular, but yet you can't feel that you're you're successful because you don't recognize any of the TV shows. You don't you don't you know, it's not it's not your culture. Um, so it wasn't until we came to America a couple of years later and you know, we were, we were fighting hard, you know, to stand out, you know, we were right after the Backstreet Boys. So we were always getting compared to them. We were always the, uh, you know, redheaded stepchild, um, that was always kind of getting pooped on by, you know, the record label, by, you know, radio stations. Like we were always just always pushed to the side. And it wasn't until we did a Disney special, that's where it all changed. And that's when I, I, I realized for the first time, holy crap, people are listening to our music right now. And, you know, we, you know, couldn't get much traction. Then Disney offered us this hour Disney special that they were just doing. And we, we did it. And they aired that thing every hour for about a month. And, uh, and it just, you saw from the, from day one that it aired to a month later, we went from like number 89 in the charts to top 10, like immediately. It was crazy. So was it like Christmas at Disneyland? Oh, yeah. That's what, mm -hmm. It was like that? 
Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's like that, except back then they did, they would do these real concerts, you know, it had nothing to do with, you know, kind of whatever special, but they did like a Leanne Rimes one and they did us and, um, and like three other ones. So they did these concert series that I wish they would still do to this day because they were, they were really great. But yeah, it was great because, you know, it was an hour special just on us. Mm-hmm. So you got to see our personalities and you would kind of go behind the scenes. And, and, and I think that's why the fans really, you know, were drawn to us because after watching that special, not only did you get to see what we did on stage, but you really got to know us individually through all of our interviews throughout the, the concert. Real quick, I just want to go back. What was the name of the record label in Germany that signed you? BMG Areola. Air, so, air, like like a boob, Areola. Yes, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. I'm like, wow, I said Areola and most didn't even bat an eye. Man, the name for that record label is the tits. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I don't worry. I had that. I was like, wait, hold on. I got to go back to the boob thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting, too, because you guys came along at a very iconic point in musical history. I mean, yes, the Backstreet Boys were a thing, but when I look back at that time, because you and I are actually pretty close in age, so I I was kind of like, I was a couple years behind you guys, but I was like living through it. And it was a very iconic moment in time with Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, you guys. I feel like even like No Doubt was like thrown in there. Uh, This surge of like post-grunge pop. Right, right. There was this grunge movement that was like dirty. I think dirty is the right word to use in just in terms of music and also like in aesthetic. And then you guys come out very clean, very polished. When you look back at that time, what do you remember of the musical landscape and the imprint you guys put on it? Yeah. Well, it was strange because, you know, in the 90s, I I grew up with the grunge, you know, that Seattle sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I love. Like Offspring was my favorite group. Yeah. And so that's what I was into. Um, and then, you know, pop, I, you know, we didn't really have much pop at that time. And then Robin and Spice Girls and yeah. Hanson kind of came in and just threw this crazy, you know, dance pop at us that we weren't used to because we were all just being feeling grungy at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was so different that it really stood out. And then you, you couple it with groups like the Spice Girls where it's just fun to watch them. You get to know their personalities and you know, not just their music is great, but like we actually like these individual people. It kind of just changed the landscape of what we wanted. And we wanted to see more live shows. We wanted to go to more concerts. And when you want to go to concerts, you want to get entertained. And these pop acts were really entertaining us. Um, and so I think that's what everyone was just kind of fiending on, uh, was just have just fun dance music that you can go and just have fun and, and see a great show. After this Disney special, it's a shot of adrenaline into the band's aorta. All of a sudden, like, everyone knows who you guys are. What was your feeling inside the band? Because I guess from the outside looking in, it was everyone is equal, but also, like, the centerpiece was JT. At least that's Mm -hmm. how I viewed it. Is that how you guys viewed it inside the bubble? Um, I mean, not at not at the beginning. You yeah. know, when you when you put a group together, you know, it's you you have no idea what people are going to gravitate to, or uh, and and which individuals. Um, so when we were, you know, the first couple of years of our existence, it was very equal. Like we wanted to make sure that all five of us were equally showcased, and 
you know, and it was just our thing. So we all kind of stood out. But then as, you know, time progressed and the record label wanted to, you know, make sure you sold albums and they had to start really kind of focusing on, you know, a, 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 that lead singer. And so you saw that, that eventual, you know, change to like, okay, Justin is now the official front man when the record label is, you know, every, every photo shoot you do, they're like, okay, that's great guys, but let's try one with Justin in the middle this time. You know, just like, mm-hmm. we know what you're doing. Like just, and so we would, you brought up no doubt, but it was so funny at the beginning of our career, you know, we saw that, um, the, the label wanted, you know, just to be that front man. Cause the, the, you know, the young girls were just really, you know, going after them. Uh, but it, that song, uh, don't speak, you know, in the video where Glenn Stefani and the others, you know, are getting pushed out of the photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, we used to sing that all the time. We're like, don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was great. So we would always make fun of it cause we knew what was going on, but, uh, but the record label would never just come out and say that to us. Yeah. <laughs> So we would always just make fun of them for it. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of in Almost Famous when Jason Lee's like, how can you tell? I'm just one of the out of focus guys in the background. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, like I have a lot of friends who are musicians or actors or entertainers, and there's a bit of ego that comes with that. Mm. Was that met with any like ill will or jealousy? Yeah, no, not not at all. The great thing about our group is we're very aware of what's going on, um, and we were just so tight. I mean, we were brothers. We lived together for so long. You could tell each other anything. You could fight with each other, but you knew you were going to make up like an hour later. There was really no jealousy in the group because all of us would keep each other our heads like, you know, so they wouldn't inflate. I mean, if you said anything off the wall, you would just get slapped down immediately by the guys. So they, they kept you humble, you know, very, very easily. What are your parents saying during the height of this? Yeah. I mean, they enjoyed it for sure. Uh, I think it brought my family closer together, uh, especially during those touring, you know, days. Uh, my mom's always a worry, a worry, wart. So she, (laughs) You know, she was always just so afraid for us. Uh, you know, anything I do, she's just always scared for my my safety. Yeah. And you know, and being being in a group like that, you know, you get you get some stupid things that happen to you. You know, a lot of death threats and that type of stuff. So those are the things that you know hurt a parent for sure to know that your kid is you know being threatened. You know, uh, so that that was hard for her, but. Overall, my family was just so supportive and they loved being on the road with us when they could. And I think it was just enjoyable for them to watch this whole thing go down. Knowing what you know now, do you think you would have been able to do it? Or if you were able to do it, would it have been as enjoyable living in the landscape that we have now with social media? You preceded that. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God. Look, it could have, who knows? It's like me coming out of the closet. Like me coming out in the height of NSYNC could have been good or could have destroyed our band. Like we don't know what would have happened back then. If we had social media back in, you know, 2000, I have a feeling we would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Um, And it could have hurt us because, you know, everyone was way innocent back then. And I mean, you, you couldn't even be seen with a beer in your hand without, you know, parents out there being like, you can't listen to NSYNC anymore. They're the devil. Um, So yeah, it's a, yeah. And, you know, it's. I think it would have ruined our career because I think people like Joey Fatone would have uh, <laughs> really gotten in trouble. 
not to name names, but Joey would have fucked us up. Oh no, Joey. <laughs> and that and that goes along with camera phones too. If there were yeah. if there were camera phones and the clubs we used to go to, you know, back here in LA, I mean, you would do stupid things as as young teenagers. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been bad. You mentioned coming out. You you did that in a in a pretty public way. Was it was it like a like a people special? Yeah, it was the cover people. Yeah, yeah. It's a very brave thing to do in such a public forum. I'm just like in awe of people that have the courage to kind of do that. It's 2020 and it's still weird out there. What was it like doing that yeah. back then? You know, it it was scary for sure. Yeah. This was 2006, so in 2006, being gay was definitely um, you know a career ender, yeah. uh, which was. So sad, and, and trust me, many people kept reminding me that um, you know they didn't they didn't know I was officially gay, but you know they would definitely allude you know to being like no one can be you know one can come out you know no one can say they have a girlfriend you know then they would kind of blame it on other things like that yeah uh, but yeah it was it was definitely a weird time because you didn't know what people's attitudes were about the gay community no one really spoke about it too much. Um, so when I decided to tell my story, I, I was in a place where I couldn't hide it anymore. I was already on my third boyfriend. Mm -hmm. My friends knew my family knew. So like, you know, I was out in my, in my personal life, but I felt like I needed to make sure that the public knew it too, um, just for the greater good. Uh, and so I decided I needed to tell my story, um, cause I was tired of, you know, hiding so much. One of the reasons that I knew I could do it was because I knew at that point we weren't going to make another NSYNC album. Yeah. Um, that's what I was waiting on. I didn't want that my personal life to have to interfere at all with whatever we were going to do with NSYNC after the hiatus. So that was just off the table. We're was not going to talk about my personal life. But then once I realized, okay, we're probably not going to do another album, there was nothing holding me back. I'm like, all right, I just want to live my life. I you know, am in love right now. I want to share it with the world. And so, yeah, I did it with people and I was scared of the reaction. I thought majority of people were going to hate me. I was going to lose a lot of friends. I, I disappeared. I went to Catalina for a week and just didn't watch TV or anything because I didn't know, I didn't know, want to know what the fallout was. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got back, I, I saw the reactions from, you know, the David Letterman's and Jay Leno's of the world. And instead of making fun of me, they made it so positive and being like, like who cares anymore? You know, it's like, why, why are we at a point where we care that, you know, to out someone on the cover of a magazine. So it was, it was definitely eye opening for me. And I saw things changing at that moment in, in cult, in our culture that it, we were just getting more accepted. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, listen, I went to school in Mississippi for five years. Things are viewed a little bit differently in the deep yeah. South. Was it even more difficult doing that, knowing that there would be probably maybe a little more fallout from kind of where you grew up? Oddly, it was easier in Mississippi. Really? Um, and I think it's because of this, because, you know, I was still young, you know, when I came out and I would go home to Mississippi, you know, and I'm still best friends with all my friends from high school. My family still lives there. So I'm in Mississippi a good bit. I still own property there. Um, but I remember going there during the NSYNC days and, you know, you'd go out with your friends to bars and all that. And the amount of rednecks that would come up to you wanting to fight you. Right. And yeah. being like, you know, calling me faggot and that, you know, just, you know, and I'm straight. Right. And I'm with my girlfriend and, and yeah. I, I got such 
you know, homophobia thrown at me for being the straight guy in a boy band. Yeah. Um, and they just, they hated me. Like it was hard. I mean, it was, there were a lot of fights that were happening <laughs> anytime I would go out. It was crazy. Then I came out of the closet and it completely changed. Now going to these bars, these rednecks come over and be like, hey man, how's it going? Like they weren't threatened anymore, yeah. I guess, that I wasn't getting their girl. But it was weird how much more I was accepted after I came out than before. Yeah. So strange. Very interesting. So the band dissolves effectively. How did you guys feel about that? Well, it was such a slow thing. You know, we, we took six months off. So, yeah. you know, it was our last tour that we did and... You know, Justin decided, he's like, I really on our, because we had decided we wanted a six month hiatus just to be able to rest. We have not had a break in years. So we needed this time to kind of reset. And Justin was like, on our break, I want to try a solo album. And we're like, yeah, that's awesome. Because anything you do is only going to make us look even better. Right. Uh, so, you know, he went off and did a solo album. I did the whole space thing. Like everyone was doing their whole, you know, everything else. Um, and then I came back from Russia to start the new album because, you know, I had to be there six months later. So six months later, I come back to America to start this album and we, you know, our manager's like, oh, we need three more months, uh, because Justin's single is actually blowing up right now. We're like, okay, great. I'd love another three months off. This is, this is great. And then another three months, then another six months, then another six months. And you're like, all right, maybe this isn't happening. So we didn't realize the group was dissolved until, you know, years after it was actually dissolved. Yeah. You know, you watch the Bohemian Rhapsody film and when Freddie Mercury goes off and does his thing, there's kind of a screw you attitude to Freddie from everyone in the band. Was there yeah. that with Justin or were you guys like, dude, do you, man? Awesome. Yeah. Go for it. No, we've always been supportive. Yeah. I mean, I... We love everything that, you know, he does solo wise. Yeah. I mean, it sucks for us that we can't tour and make new in sync stuff because of that. But, you know, you can't blame the guy either. I mean, he's, you know, he, he had this, you know, creativity that he needed to release as a solo artist and it just, it hasn't stopped, you know, at all. Do you have a favorite in sync song? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's two actually. Uh, the most meaningful song to me is this song called I Thought She Knew which is on no strings attached. Um, but it was our first acapella that we ever learned together. And our, uh, our vocal coach, Robin Wiley, um, and she was our producer. She lived with us. She was the Mickey Mouse Club vocal coach so that, you know, she was really tight with Justin and JC. She's the one who gave us our sound. She's just this brilliant, brilliant arranger um, with harmonies. And so she would do all our acapellas. And she wrote the song I Thought She Knew, and it was our first acapella, and it just... It is one of my favorite acapellas that we ever have done, that No Holy Night. So that finally made the No Strings Attached album that many years later. So that was very meaningful for us, um, especially now because unfortunately she's passed away from cancer. So it's just, I'm just so glad that we got to honor her with that song on that album. And then my ultimate, uh, which I wish was a single, was a song called It Makes Me Ill. Um, and it was, it was also on No Strings Attached, but... It was my favorite song because that was the direction I thought NSYNC was going in. The, the sound of that, it was the direction that we were heading towards. Uh, and that was bringing people like Candy Burris, Housewife of Atlanta. Uh, she wrote that song and she also wrote TLC's Scrubs. And so I really wanted that kind of Scrubs feel because that's what we kind of grew up on is that, you know, we're very heavily influenced on R&B. And so that I, I wanted to, to bring that forward. And 
I love it. A lot of the fans love it, but we never released it as a single, unfortunately. Do you have a group chat? We do. Oh, yeah. yes. We've had a group chat for years. Yeah. <laughs> What's it's pretty crazy. It's funny. We're, we basically revert to being 10 years old yeah. every time we talk on text. Yeah. What is the name mm-hmm. of said group chat? Um, I think it changes. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone changes <laughs> throughout the years. Um, depending on what we're doing, you know, I think someone had, like when we did Coachella last year, there was some kind of funny name I think Chris came up with. I forget, but I don't even know what it is at this point. It's probably some coronavirus shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who are you closest with today from the band? All my relationships are so unique. Yeah. Uh, one I love, I, you know, JC and I are, are really close because we live in LA, you know, and so I get to see him more and he comes over to my bar Rocco's all the time. And I mean, he's basically like the norm of Rocco's. Um, so I get to, I get to see him, you know, a lot more than the other guys. And that's really bonded us. I feel like I've bonded more with JC after the band than in the band, oh, really? which I love. Joey's always, always been my best friend. So I mean, we're, we're just an odd couple for sure, because we could not be more different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow it works. And he's always been the one that I would probably confide in most mm-hmm. to. And then, yeah, I mean, and Justin and Chris, I mean, we're just all, it's, you know, we're brothers, you know, it's, it's weird because you can go three months without talking to each other and then just pick right back up and you're like, oh yeah, like nothing has passed. Yeah. I have to ask, I worry that maybe Corona might have ruined this, but would you guys ever do a reunion tour? Were you going to do one with the 20th anniversary thing? No, there was no reunion tour planned, um, but it was very eye-opening for me doing these interviews on, you know, on the Daily Popcast because a lot of the people, you know, everyone always just assumed Justin was the holdout, right? Like yeah. he's too busy, yeah. like he's not going to have time to do this, doesn't want to do this. And in hearing his interview, he's very open to it. You know, you're like, oh, wait. And so I think this is the first time the fans stopped putting the blame on Justin because <laughs> you know, they were all like, Justin's the holdout. But after listening to this, you're like, oh, wait, he's he's kind of into talking about something. Um, and it was actually JC that uh, is the one that's been so hard to figure out if he wants to do this or not because he's, you know, he's a worry ward. He gets in his head. He wants everything to be so perfectly planned out before you do anything. Um, so he's the one that's been really kind of contemplating this whole thing more than anyone. All right, I want to be respectful of your time because I know you have a very busy day of going back and watching Netflix and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to end... No, I get, I get Donnie Wahlberg and Jenny McCarthy next. This oh. is great. All right, well, that's very cool, actually. I want, to, I, I want to end the show with rapid-fire questions, okay? Okay. All right, rapid-fire questions with Lance Bass. Favorite book? To Kill a Mockingbird. Who's, boring. Who was your first kiss? Bethany Dukes. Oh, man. I love when people remember the entire... You always remember the full name of your first Oh, yeah, first Bethany kid. Dukes. My first love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Maggie Finnegan out there. Um, who was your, what was your first concert you went to? I never really remember, but it's either uh, Clint Black, which uh, I think Faith Hill opened up for him. She was brand new. Mm-hmm. It was either Clint Black or it was um, T- Tanya Tucker and Tammy Wynette. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they were all in the same year. I just forget which one was first. I guess that makes sense. You were in, in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. I uh, loved country. Yeah. Celebrity that you're mistaken for. Who is the uh, the singer from Lady Antebellum? Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. He gets mistaken for you. Let's be fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> 
we do. We talk about this all the time. Yes, every time we run into each other, like, oh, there's our doppelganger. Except he's seven foot tall, and I'm yeah. five. So it's a little different. Yeah. What's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Bad drivers. I mean, you know, living in LA, it's mm-hmm. it's not good for me. My stress levels go way too much um, because there's just I want to be the person that gets to take people's licenses away because yeah. <laughs> some of these people just should not be driving. No. Who would you call to get you out of jail? Ooh, oh, my assistant giggles. Yeah. 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 She, she's, she's the only one I know that would actually pick up the phone if I called. (laughs) And last one, because I imagine a lot of people had your face in their room. Did you have a poster hanging on your bedroom wall? And if so, who was it or what band was it? I've had two posters on my wall. Um, the first one was white snake. Okay. Yeah. That is, (laughs) I loved white snake and, uh, and then LaWanda from uh, <laughs> Jim, you know, what was Jim Carrey's show? Uh, in yeah, Living Color. In Living Color, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he so was, I had a big poster of her on my wall. <laughs> oh, the Fire Marshal Bill bit he did on that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Lance Bass, thank you so much for being on the Wells cast. You are an absolute American treasure, and <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, I love you, Wells. Thank you so much. It's good catching up with you. You as well. Stick on the phone because Sarah wants to say hi to you off air. All right, yeah. Um, but I do want to close. I do want to close the show out with um, some Steely Dan. <laughs> Are you allowed to play music on your show? I can do twenty seconds, bro. How do you get twenty seconds? I can't do two seconds. Oh my gosh! No fair. All right, man. Love you so much. Thank you so much. All right, man. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.